Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hey. I feel like so much has happened. I was trying to narrow down what to talk about There was week. no way. Yeah, because there was just so much stuff that's been happening. And there are things that I didn't even make notes on. I don't know if you did, but like monkeypox situation. is Taylor Swift's carbon emissions. Ooh. Oh, my girl. Like, look, you know, we did. I, I did her as a problematic fave. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I know that she's she's got her own issues. But I love Taylor. Oh, I do, too. And I am bummed out. <laughs> I mean, OK, the, Max put it in a really great perspective. And he is not one to always defend Taylor Swift. Not a fan of the music. But he was like, I got to say this, though. He was like, I feel like big companies like, you know, Facebook, Amazon, people that use so much like jet fuel or whatever all the time are loving this because like maybe Mark Zuckerberg as a person isn't using as many like whatever's as Taylor Swift is, but like is Facebook as a whole or, you know, things like that. Like companies as a whole are doing more damage than like individual people, but it still is really fucking crazy to see the number of times these celebrities use their private jets just for funsies. Or just to go really short distances yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, that's always the argument, right? Is like, do we put, do we should we put this much like responsibility on individuals whenever we know that corporations and big companies are you know doing the same thing on a much much grander scale and i think yes though <laughs> i think both can be true yeah, I, I think, think we can hold both accountable mm-hmm. at the same time yeah i mean and i also understand that it's really difficult for someone like taylor swift or beyonce or whoever else to take a commercial flight totally right? like, I understand that that's difficult but it's also like you shouldn't do the Kylie Jenner thing where you take a three minute private jet ride no. right like it's just like come on oh right. yeah we got to be reasonable here yes please, exactly please but anyway yeah we don't have notes. notes on all of those things but I so yesterday I was just telling Keegan I had thought that we were going to be recording yesterday instead of today so I had like done all my notes for the news or whatever and then I just feel like so many things happened today that yeah. I was like well now I have to change everything so I completely changed my notes like an hour before I left to make sure it was as like up to date as possible um but yeah I had to I had to do more work <laughs> yeah I did too I mean and I think probably the first thing that we want to talk about is that there were convictions or not convictions but um charges yes against the four officers in the Brianna Taylor shooting yes finally finally according to uh Brianna's mother Tamika Palmer it has been 874 days that they've been waiting for federal charges so. I'm not gonna lie to you though I I 
had given up. Like Me I too. was like, this isn't happening. Like they were waiting it out. That's really what it felt like. I mean, they because were waiting I, it out. Well, because the moment had passed. It felt yeah. like, yeah. like even now I don't feel like this is being talked about. Like it should be because I literally stood up when I saw that I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I texted you, but I'm like not seeing a whole lot on Instagram. I'm yeah. not hearing a whole lot about it. So I, again, truly thought that the moment had passed. Yeah, no, me too. I, and I am kind of surprised that, well, I'm not getting on my personal Instagram at the moment. So I bet you if I was on my personal Instagram, just because of who I follow on there, I bet you I would be seeing a little bit more about this, like a little, a, f- a few more people talking about it. About what? Um, about these charges. Oh, yes. Um, but being on just like the other kind of like business Instagrams, I I'm not seeing anybody talk about it. And on TikTok, I've not seen a thing. So. Yeah, I've seen a couple of people repost what we've posted to our Instagram page. And I've seen a couple other people mention it in their stories, but I really haven't seen a, a big response. Like, I mean, celebrities were involved. Like, it, it does kind of seem like, wait, do, do, do you guys know what's happening? Just, do you know? Right. Yeah. Should we tell everybody? I mean, like, what's going on? We, we were pushing so hard to have them charged and to make sure that their names were out there and their faces were out there and splattered all over the place that, like, it feels very surreal. I wonder if a lot of people are kind of just feeling that way, that it's, like, it feels so surreal that it could be happening. Or the other thing, and this is probably more likely, there's an amount of cynicism in that, like, yeah, they've been charged, but will they be convicted? You know, right? I think that there is a bit of a difference when you're looking at federal charges because it was, you know, our U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland who discussed what the charges were this morning and things like that. Um, but I wonder if that will have a little bit of a difference there because it wouldn't necessarily be like the jury of your peers. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit True. more of a higher level status. I wonder if maybe people will be able to look at things more critically than just like a regular state court would be able to do. Yeah, I mean, we can hope so. So these are four Louisville police officers and they yeah. were all involved in this deadly raid. You know, if you're not familiar with Brianna Taylor, even though we have talked about her many, Countless many times, times. Um, she was shot to death in her home in the middle of the night when the police executed a search warrant basically for the wrong house. Yes. So the Justice Department announced um, that four people would be charged, including a former detective who was fired for lying on the search warrant that led to Brianna's death. And the other officers are Joshua Jaynes, Brett Hinkinson, Kelly Goodlett, and Sergeant Kyle Meany. Yes. So one of those is the... um, former detective. I'm guessing the sergeant. Brett Hankinson, I feel like, is the name and face that we saw plastered everywhere. Yeah, he was fired in June of 2020, shortly after media of this murder first, you know, kind of hit everyone's screens. And yeah, that's the name that I remember the most. I didn't write the other ones. So he was actually like on the ground. There is one person who I don't believe was actually present um, at the scene when Breonna Taylor was murdered. But they were Um, part of the the lying for the search warrant part of it. Correct. Yes. All Mm -hmm. right. Yes. So those four people have been officially charged. We don't know what's going to happen next, um, but... Uh, good news yeah yeah I mean it's I think that whenever you can make any sort of progress and things like that and it's like written in paper it's like you have to have some sort of proof that something was done and I'm glad that it could be done on a federal level I think that that puts a lot of recognition back on 
her, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. Where it's deserved. Um, I wanted to mention something else that was bigger news today. And I've wanted to discuss this on the show before, but we haven't gotten to it. But now there's a bit more um, of a conclusion to this story. I wanted to talk a bit about Brittany Griner and her sentence on Thursday for allegedly smuggling cannabis oil, which was like two cartridges or a gram of uh, marijuana into Russia. There's like little oil cartridges, whatever. Right. And smuggling seems like such a... Like, I, I just say quote unquote smuggling, but that yeah. was the charge, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so throughout the trial, she's testified that it was an accident on account of packing too hastily and not realizing that the cartridges were in her bag. She's also testified that she had a doctor's note for the use of cannabis, but that also doesn't really make a difference in Russia, no. you know, but it does. I think that, you know, she was trying to be like, hey, look, I'm really not trying to fuck you over this was a mistake and you know she was going over to Russia to play basketball during the offseason for her WNBA season and um, you know once she got there they you know kind of took her to another part of the airport and she's also discussed a lot of lack of translation and misunderstanding documents she was signing and you know there was one translation where someone was just like basically you are guilty is what they said to her and she was like wait what holy what is this which all feels very deliberate to me because they could find somebody who can speak better English than that you know like they can find somebody who can translate more fully for her I didn't even think about that I think that's true you know like I feel like they're deliberately withholding things from her yeah you know, that's what it feels like to me. Totally. Well, and I mean, it's that makes sense because a lot of people see her as being used as a political definitely. pawn. I definitely feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to discuss last week was the fact that the president made an offer for like a prisoner swap, essentially, yeah. for an arms dealer, for um, Brittany and another prisoner that has been held in Russia for a long time. Yeah. And Russia really hasn't made any sort of response as to whether or not they're going to take them up on this deal. But I think they did send a message today in sending in sentencing Brittany to nine years in prison. Um, Yeah, in a penal colony even. And I did hear that there's a possibility that they need to sentence her in order for the deal to go through. Like they couldn't do it prior to her conviction. Okay. So there is a um, theory out there that they have sentenced her so that this deal can be made. Well, it's interesting because her lawyers came out and talked after all of this went on and said that a typical sentence for this type of crime would be about five years. They were saying that this is a longer sentence. So why would they give a longer sentence if they were going to give into a deal? I I don't know. I saw that the max sentence was 10 years. So I, I, I really don't know. I don't know why they would choose to do that. Maybe they are trying to put pressure on uh, maybe they're trying to get more out of this deal. Maybe. Because as it stands, the U.S. has offered a deal to Russia aimed at bringing home Brittany Griner and then um, Paul Whelan. And it's in exchange for Victor Bout, uh, who was an arms dealer who had sold stolen Soviet weapons across the globe, mostly in nations uh, right. throughout Africa and the Middle East. Fun. So we're swapping one Russian for two Americans. So I don't know if they're hoping to maybe get more out of this deal, if they're yeah. hoping to like push it by being like, no, we're going to keep Brittany Griner and put her in a penal colony for 10 years. Um, but... I did read that she has apparently won over 
the people that work at the jail that she's like been held and she's going to be staying there for a while. Apparently, yeah. like they've been consoling her and things like that. I read from some like Yahoo News report today and I'm like, well, that's good. She's making friends at least. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's like softening the blow a little bit. Yeah. But Paul Whelan, um, who is technically c- Canadian, but has U.S. citizenship. Yeah. He was arrested back in 2018. So he has been um, basically in Russian prison and prison camps like labor camps is he the teacher i think that, that was caught with marijuana as well or is this a different person no this okay is, this is a different person he was arrested on suspicion of being a spy oh, i think that yeah. he had formerly worked for um the cia and so he was arrested under suspicion of being a spy so this deal would get him back home and Brittany griner back home but unfortunately the kremlin like you said has not been talking about this very much right um and in fact they've said that they want as little fanfare as possible they're like we don't think that this should be discussed publicly at all they're kind of upset that the u.s has been making it a thing yeah it has been kind of like publicizing that a deal has been made okay or that a deal is in process you know right um so i guess we will see i mean can i just say how much i hate the word kremlin it reminds me of goblin it is weird isn't it i know i always think that too i'm like it's it's the goblin it it, it's a it's a sinister sounding name it's it truly is it's mythical and sinister uh but of course um trump has sided basically with russia over britney griner which just of course are we surprised no so former president donald trump criticized a potential prisoner exchange that would return griner and oh he was a former marine paul whelan to the united states so he made comments as a guest on the clay travis and buck sexton show buck sexton sounds like a porn name (laughs) just saying uh so he said He said of the proposed swap that would send Russian weapons trafficker Victor Bout back to Russia, quote, doesn't seem like a very good trade, does it? He also called her spoiled and said she went to Russia loaded up with drugs. Oh, very inflammatory language for something pretty innocuous like she had. And look, we get it. Your country's laws are your country's laws. She and definitely she should, shouldn't have brought anything No, and in. there should have been more caution and making sure, but like there is such a thing as an accident. And I don't, I don't know if she's just saying that or if that's true. You know, I, I, I'm just kind of taking that out of the equation right. because either way her treatment has been despicable and terrible. And yeah. it's, it, it's unfortunate that such a high consequence would be made for something where she's from is not that big of a deal anymore. Right. You yeah. know, it, yeah. it's, it's a different world and it's complicated and I can understand being overwhelmed or forgetting something and having it be a genuine accident. Yeah. I but mean, still. and saying that she's loaded up with drugs. It's just not true. It's it's not true. And that kind of language, it's definitely meant to paint a certain kind of picture to call her spoiled and say she was loaded up with drugs when you know that that language, if this had been... Um, if this had been a Stanford swimmer type, right? Well, this is what I was going to say. Like, she is a athletic black lesbian yes, who is exactly. in the spotlight. Like, exactly. that is not Trump's type. If this had been a... Um, 
white college age blonde male athlete. Oh, if Brock Turner was in Russia with a couple precisely. of precisely, you know, cannabis cartridges, Trump would be getting on the first plane over there and shaking hands with. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, he's just a. If, if this was Brett Kavanaugh, whenever he was a teenager, right? When I'd be yeah. like, oh, he's just a kid. He just made a stupid mistake. Yeah. Um, let him come home. You know, oh like there's no way that he would be using this kind of language. So Morning Joe host Joe Scarborough, he (laughs) tore Trump apart for his heinous remarks about um, Brittany Griner. He said, quote, we have Donald Trump calling Brittany Griner spoiled and we have Donald Trump talking about her, quote, loaded up with drugs. There's been no testimony, no evidence, no suggestion that she was, quote, loaded up with drugs. Uh, It once again shows just what a horrible guy this is, what a heinous human being, how cruel it is. And you cannot help but wonder if he's saying that because she's a black basketball player. Mm -hmm. And it's very much true. You know, I think that Trump is grasping for anything to keep his base fired up because I think he really, really wants to run in 20... Well, and there's so many things going on with the January 6th hearings right now as well that I think it makes sense that he has to distract, distract, distract his base as much as possible to get the result he wants coming up. And yeah, I totally agree. I think he wants to run. I hope he doesn't get to that point. But I also worry that if he doesn't, it's just going to be somebody else that's worse. So yeah, I mean, you never know. At this point, I'm almost... Maybe I shouldn't say that. Yeah, don't say you're hoping for Trump. Well, no, no, no. I'm, okay. not, I'm not hoping for Trump. <laughs> but what I was thinking was the Republican Party really doesn't want him to run. Like they do not want him to run. In fact, I think that they said, or there's a rumor going around, um, that they said that if he runs, they will stop paying his legal bills, uh, which he needs them to pay his legal bills because yeah. he's got a lot of them, right? So um, that might be an incentive for him not to run, but... He's not so smart, so he might run. But I'm almost kind of thinking if he runs and then you have somebody else who's popular in the party like Ron DeSantis run, right? that if they both run, maybe we can split the Republican vote. Ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if we can split the Republican vote, then the, maybe the Democrats have a chance or thinky, somebody thinky. else has a chance of, of winning. Um, we just got to get some young... Young hot blood in there. We got to the get Democrats. someone who's not a Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. Or at least like a Democrat that is like leaning a different way or is going to be like young enough and different enough that it's going to like make more people excited. I don't know. We need a change. We need a not Joe Biden type character. Oh, I God. Like. I know? mean, yes. And we have for a long time, but I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens because I, I just don't think that they want that to happen. No. So, um, I guess we will see. Yes, agreed. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Okay, so this was one of the things I'd originally wanted to talk about. And I think it's a really interesting story because it talks about um, something that I think a lot of us have dealt with over the last like five, six years. And that is, you know, how families have really been torn apart by a lot of things that have Don't happened. I know it? I know. Yeah. I'm like looking at you like, yeah, sure. <laughs> we don't talk about this. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but there is a guy, I'm going to call him guy. Cause I'm like, is it the French pronunciation of Guy? But I don't care because this guy's a piece of shit. We're going to call him guy Refit. Uh, but he is the first capital writer to not plead guilty and actually go through to trial for his participation in the insurrection. So, oh, and because of that, he is also the one with the longest sentence because he didn't plead guilty. He has been sentenced to seven years in prison for bringing guns with him to Washington, D.C. And there's also a video from the day where he is saying, quote, I just want to see Pelosi's head hit every fucking stair on the way out and Mitch McConnell, too. Why would? <sighs> OK, yeah. All right. Yeah. The like every time I hear about somebody who is going on trial for this, I'm just like, you know that they thought they were going to get away with this. They thought that they were going to be able How? to overthrow the <laughs> Capitol building, overthrow the election, and Donald Trump was going to be put back in power because... If they didn't, they wouldn't have been both face saying this shit. Yeah, like they, that was how I was thinking the whole day watching this on my TV. I'm like, you're so stupid. We see your faces. We see what you're saying. Like, you're fucked. No, because they thought they were going to win. Yeah. Like, they genuinely, the delusion was so deep that it's they insane. thought they were going to win. They thought that Trump would pardon them and that their people would end up on top. And it's like, well. Mm, didn't happen. Yeah. Did not happen. So this guy is a recruiter for the right wing militia group called Three Percenters. He was convicted of five felonies, including carrying and transporting a firearm on Capitol grounds, interfering with Capitol police and obstructing an official proceeding. So, like I said, the reason the story is interesting to me because of the family dynamics as well. So, there in his sentencing was his wife and his younger daughter. And in her statement to the judge, his daughter said that he was not a threat to his family and that they had been witnessing his mental health decline yep. over the last five years yep. and had turned a blind eye. But it was actually his son, Jackson, who reported his father to the FBI. And this son was incredibly brave. So his dad was bragging before, during, and after the insurrection in a family group text about everything that was going on. Of course, yeah. And was sending his plans and was everything was very detailed. And he was Highly bragging relatable. about these things. Highly relatable. Right? Listen. It's almost, you know? So... Knowing his son wouldn't agree with what he had done, he threatened him by saying, if you turn on me, you're a traitor and traitors get shot. Wow. How fucked up is that? And then after his son says that, he calls the FBI. Holy shit, that's brave. Yeah. I, I think mean, that's insane. It's just truly, and I've seen this in my own family, like just watching the slow erosion of people's ability to think critically. Yeah. And it, it truly feels like, and I don't know because I've never had a family member in a cult, but that's what it feels like. It feels like yeah. watching somebody who you just, you can't reach. You can't exactly. reach them. Like it's, it's so sad. It's really sad. It is. It's very sad. In an interview, his son said, I mean, realistically, this doesn't have a matter of political opinion. What my father did is far from politics. This is completely off the rails violence. Whether it had a political motive at this point doesn't matter. It's more about what he does and who he did it for. 
That's right. Yeah. Very, very smart. I mean, his son looks like he's got to be in his early 20s, like hair down to here, like tie dye shirt in his interview. Seems like a very hippy dippy kind of dude. The daughter was infuriated in interviews just over you know, the sentencing that her father is getting and the things that other people are getting and the lack of accountability that Trump is having to take. Sure. Which I I think is a good point. I think that that is a good point. I think that the fact that her father is getting a harsher sentence, well, he he denied something that we have on tape. Yeah. Like him doing, you know, he could have made a deal. And he was being described as a leader as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, I understand it's painful, but... This isn't out of the realm of possibility for me at, to put myself in in the shoes of these children. Right. So I I don't think I'm out of bounds in saying that if this were to happen to somebody that I love, it would be painful and it would be sad. But I would also be able to say, yes, this person was mentally ill. Yes, I think this person is brainwashed because that's just the truth of yeah. how I feel about it at this point. But it doesn't change what they've done exactly and like they still have to be held accountable right i'm not going to say that they're they don't deserve the sentence that they got like you tried to overthrow our government i mean honestly i think seven seven years is like not that bad a huge deal yeah i i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't have been surprised if it was like 20 years you know what i mean like i think seven years is really i think nothing especially with good behavior and things like that especially for the unbelievable violence and chaos that we witnessed that day. Like if you really think back to it and you think about the sentences that are being doled out, it's really just kind of light. That's what I'm saying. I think that they're light. Like they're very light. These are insurrectionists. These are like by the book traitors to their domestic terrorists. Like why are we treating them? Like they threatened to murder our vice president. Yeah. I hate Pence. I hate, but you can't go around saying you want to hang him and then yeah. you're just like whoopsie <laughs> i just got swept up in the moment you oh know like God. what what no no sorry. i but i agree with her trump needs to be held accountable why is it taking so fucking long it just makes me think it's not going to happen yeah um unless the they're problem. just working on a further investigation i don't know and just trying to what get more their do ducks we need? in a row like, what i don't know more do we need i don't know, like, I don't know. it's it's truly there's so much evidence that, um, you know, he's got blood on his hands, you know. Oh, most definitely. Most uh. definitely. So, well, that is everything that we have to chat with you about today. If there's anything in the future that you wanted to talk about, please go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or you can direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We also have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page or chat with the other listeners on the group page. Last but certainly not least, if you haven't done so already, please leave us a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all of being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy. But how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. 
Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com.